Section six of From a Swedish Homestead by Selma Lagerlöf. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Lars Rolander. Section six. The story of a country house. Part six. Ingrid saw that Miss Stava did not wish to say anything more about that matter, and she began to sue again but she could not help speculating over who that mistress sorrow could be who had so much power here that she could compel miss stava to give up a whole room to the bats just as she was thinking about all this she saw a black sledge drawn by a black horse pull up outside the veranda she saw miss stava come out and make a low curtsy an old lady in a long black velvet cloak with many small capes on the shoulders, alighted from the sledge. She was bent and had difficulty in walking. She could hardly lift her feet sufficiently to walk up the steps. Ingrid, said her ladyship, looking up from her knitting, I think I heard Mistress Sorrow arrive. It must have been her jingle I heard. Have you noticed that she never has sledge bells on her horses, but only quite a small jingle? but one can hear it one can hear it go down into the hall ingrid and bid mistress sorrow welcome when ingrid came down into the front hall mistress sorrow stood talking with miss stava on the veranda they did not notice her ingrid saw with surprise that the round-backed old lady had something hidden under all her capes which looked like crape it was put well up and carefully hidden ingrid had to look very closely before she discovered that they were two large bats wings which she tried to hide the young girl grew still more curious and tried to see her face but she stood and looked into the yard so it was impossible so much however ingrid did see when she put out her hand to the housekeeper that one of her fingers was much longer than the others and at the end of it was a large crooked claw i suppose everything is as usual here she said yes honoured mistress sorrow said miss stava you have not planted any flowers nor pruned my trees you have not mended the bridge nor weeded the avenue no honoured mistress this is quite as it should be said the honoured mistress i suppose you have not had the audacity to search for the vein of ore or to cut down the forest which is encroaching on the fields no honoured mistress or to clean the wells no nor to clean the wells this is a nice place said mistress sorrow i always like being here in a few years things will be in such a state that my birds can live over the house you are really very good to my birds miss stava at this praise the housekeeper made a deep curtsy how are things otherwise at the house said mistress sorrow what sort of a christmas have you had we have kept christmas as we always do said miss stava her ladyship sits knitting in her room day after day thinks of nothing but her son and does not even know that it is a festival 
Christmas Eve we allowed to pass like any other day, no present and no candles. No Christmas tree, no Christmas fair, nor any going to church, not so much as a candle in the windows on Christmas morning. Why should her ladyship honor God's son when God will not heal her son? said Mistress Sorrow. No, why should she? He is at home at present, I suppose. Perhaps he is better now. No, he is no better. He is as much afraid of things as ever. Does he still behave like a peasant? Does he never go into the rooms? We cannot get him to go into the rooms. He is afraid of her ladyship, as the honoured mistress knows. He has his meals in the kitchen and sleeps in the men's servants' room. Yes, he does. And you have no idea how to cure him? We know nothing. We understand nothing. Mr. Sorrow was silent for a moment. When she spoke again, there was a hard, sharp ring in her voice. This is all right as far as it goes, Miss Dava. But I'm not quite satisfied with you all the same. The same moment she turned round and looked sharply at Ingrid. Ingrid shuddered. Mistress Sorrow had a little wrinkled face, the under part of which was so doubled up that one could hardly see the lower jaw. She had teeth like a saw and thick hair on the upper lip. Her eyebrows were one single tuft of hair, and her skin was quite brown. Ingrid thought Miss Dava could not see what she saw. Mistress Sorrow was not a human being. She was only an animal. Mistress Sorrow opened her mouth and showed her glittering teeth when she looked at Ingrid. When this girl came here, she said to Miss Dava, you thought she had been sent by God. You thought you could see from her eyes that she had been sent by our Lord to save him. She knew how to manage mad people. Well, how has it worked? It has not worked at all. She has not done anything. No, I have seen to that, said Mistress Sorrow. It was my doing that you did not tell her why she was allowed to stay here. Had she known that, she would not have indulged in such rosy dreams about seeing her beloved. If she had not had such expectations, she would not have had such a bitter disappointment. Had disappointment not paralyzed her, she could perhaps have done something for this mad fellow. But now she has not even been to see him. She hates him because he is not the one she expected him to be. That is my doing, Miss Stava, my doing. Yes, the honoured mistress knows her business, said Miss Stava. Mistress Sorrow took her lace handkerchief and dried her red-rimmed eyes. It looked as if it were meant for an expression of joy. You need not make yourself out to be any better than you are, Miss Dava, she said. I know you do not like my having taken that room for my birds. 
You do not like the thought of my having the whole house soon. I know that. You and your mistress had intended to cheat me, but it is all over now. Yes, said Miss Stava. The honored mistress can be quite easy. It's all over. The young master is leaving today. He has packed up his pack, and then we always know he's about to leave. Everything her ladyship and I have been dreaming about the whole autumn is over. Nothing has been done. We thought she might at least have persuaded him to remain at home. But in spite of all we have done for her, she has not done anything for us. No, she has only been a poor help, I know that, said Mistress Sorrow. But all the same, she must be sent away now. That was really what I wanted to see her ladyship about. Mistress Sorrow began to drag herself up the steps on her tottering legs. At every step she raised her wings a little, as if they should help her. She would no doubt much rather have flown. Ingrid went behind her. She felt strangely attracted and fascinated. If Mistress Sorrow had been the most beautiful woman in the world, she could not have felt a greater inclination to follow her. When she went into the boudoir, she saw Mistress Sorrow sitting on the sofa by the side of her ladyship, whispering confidentially with her as if they were old friends. You must be able to see that you cannot keep her with you, said Mistress Sorrow impressively. You who cannot bear to see a flower growing in your garden can surely not stand having a young girl about in the house. It always brings a certain amount of brightness and life, and that would not suit you. No, that is just what I have been sitting and thinking about. Get her a situation as lady's companion somewhere or other, but don't keep her here. She rose to say good-bye. That was all I wanted to see you about, she said. But how are you yourself? Knives and scissors cut my heart all day long, said her ladyship. I only live in him as long as he is at home. It is worse than usual, much worse this time. I cannot bear it much longer. Ingrid started. It was her ladyship's bell that rang. She had been dreaming so vividly that she was quite surprised to see that her ladyship was alone and that the black sledge was not waiting before the door. Her ladyship had rung for Miss Stava, but she did not come. She asked Ingrid to go down to her room and call her. Ingrid went, but the little blue-checked room was empty. The young girl was going into the kitchen to ask for the housekeeper, but before she had time to open the door, she heard Hede talking. She stopped outside. She could not persuade herself to go in and see him. She tried, however, to argue with herself. It was not his fault that he was not the one she had been expecting. She must try to do something for him. She must persuade him to remain at home. Before, she had not had such a feeling against him. He was not so very bad. She bent down and peeped through the keyhole. It was the same here as at other places, 
The servants tried to lead him on in order to amuse themselves by his strange talk. They asked him whom he was going to marry. Hede smiled. He liked to be asked about that kind of thing. She's called Grave Lily. Don't you know that? he said. The servant said she did not know that she had such a fine name. But where does she live? Neither has she home nor has she farm, Hede said. She lives in my pack. The servant said that was a queer home and asked about her parents. Neither has she father nor has she mother, Hede said. She is as fine as a flower. She has grown up in a garden. He said all this with a certain amount of clearness, but when he wanted to describe how beautiful his sweetheart was, he could not get on at all. He said a number of words, but they were strangely mixed together. One could not follow his thoughts, but evidently he himself derived much pleasure from what he said. He sat smiling and happy. Ingrid hurried away. She could not bear it any longer. She could not do anything for him. She was afraid of him. She disliked him. But she had not got further than the stairs before her conscience pricked her. Here she had received so much kindness, and she would not make any return. In order to master her dislike, she tried in her own mind to think of Hede as a gentleman. She wondered how he had looked when he wore good clothes and had his hair brushed back. She closed her eyes for a moment and thought, no, it was impossible. She could not imagine him as being any different from what he was. The same moment she saw the outlines of a beloved face by her side. It appeared at her left side wonderfully distinct. This time the face did not smile. The lips trembled as if in pain and unspeakable suffering was written in sharp lines round the mouth. Ingrid stopped halfway up the stairs and looked at it. There it was, light and fleeting, as impossible to grasp and hold fast as a sunspot reflected by the prism of a chandelier. But just as visible, just as real, she thought of a recent dream, but this was different. This was reality. When she had looked a little at the face, the lips began to move. They spoke, but she could not hear a sound. Then she tried to see what they said, tried to read the words from the lips, as deaf people do, and she succeeded. Do not let me go, the lips said. Do not let me go. And the anguish with which it was said, if a fellow-creature had been lying at her feet begging for life, it could not have affected her more. She was so overcome that she shook. It was more heart-rending than anything she had ever heard in her whole life. Never had she thought that anyone could beg in such fearful anguish. Again and again the lips begged, Do not let me go! and for every time the anguish was greater. Ingrid did not understand it, but remained standing filled with unspeakable pity. It seemed to her that more than life itself must be at stake for one who begged like this, that his very soul must be at stake. 
The lips did not move any more. They stood half open in dull despair. When they assumed this expression, she uttered a cry and stumbled. She recognized the face of the crazy fellow as she had just seen it. No, 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 she said. It cannot be so. It must not. It cannot. It is not possible that it is he. The same moment the face vanished. She must have sat for a whole hour on the cold staircase, crying in helpless despair. But at last hope sprang up in her, strong and fair. She again took courage to raise her head. All that had happened seemed to show that she should save him. It was for that she had come here. She should have the great, great happiness of saving him. End of section 6 Read by Lars Rolander